this is Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, I chat with experts, athletes, coaches and ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a big shout out to my incredible sponsor, the Heavily Meditated app. Heavily Meditated is your down-to-earth meditation app for getting high on life. Packed with guided meditations as short as five minutes and up to 25 minutes, there is a meditation for everyone. I start my day with a five-minute energizer and I love a lunchtime whole, worthy and wise meditation. The app is gorgeous and has affirmations for a hint of inspiration as well. And for less than $6 a month when you sign up annually, it's honestly one of the best investments that you can make for yourself. Check out the Heavily Meditated app. Today on the show, I chat with strength and conditioning coaches, Adam Murphy and Josh Smith. Now, you may know them from their podcast, The Murph and My Tice Show, and that's actually how I came across their work. So I'm a big fan of their podcast. They have meaningful, important and topical conversations in a very open-minded way, which is super refreshing. And of course, they throw in humor and have a lot of banter going on. So they're good fun to listen to. But enough about their podcast. They have a combined 31 years experience coaching athletes of all ages and levels. And today we talk about the holistic approach to strength and conditioning for elite and recreational athletes. We also talk about women in sport, how to train female athletes, and what male trainers should educate themselves on. There are a lot of laughs as well. So this is such a fun conversation. I know you'll love this as much as I enjoyed chatting with them. Enjoy this episode with Josh and Murph. Josh and Murph, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Really pumped to finally have you on the show. (laughs) It's taken a little while to get you both here. but That's our fault. (laughs) So you guys are both strength and conditioning coaches, um, but I actually got to know you via your podcast, The Murph and My Ties Show, which I really love. And um, I have to say, I love your recent, well, the recent episode now, I don't know if you've released another one, but um, it was the Girls Aren't Guys episode, which I really that loved. Cool. That was cool. And, yeah, I encourage others to listen to that one, um, but not before you listen to this episode. We'll get into a bit of that later. But before we do, I'd love a little bit of background on you guys for those who don't know you. You know, how did you get into strength and conditioning? Um, who have you worked with? What, what, who are you currently working with and, and your roles now? Uh, okay, so this is Murph speaking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we can't do name tags, so we'll just do voice tags. I'm the more basic of the two of us. Um, so I guess to make my story simple and short, I used to be fat and then I got thin and then I become a trainer. Basically, that's essentially what happened is, you know, I was overweight at school, lost heap of weight through my own training, 
thought I'm going to become a, a coach now. So I did really. Um, <laughs> like, like it did's mind down. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the reason, pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, how I got to where I am today was basically I was, uh, stuck in a lot of ways and where I wanted to go with my career, trying a lot of different things. And then I decided, you know what, I've got to follow what I absolutely love mesh two things together, which is basketball, uh, or sport in general, but mainly basketball and the strength conditioning world. Uh, so I become a basketball strength conditioning coach. And from there, things escalated pretty quickly. Thankfully, uh, I put myself in the right positions at the right time and made it into the NBL professional basketball. And that's pretty much, I just spent four years in um, the NBL and now more in the private sector, still focusing on basketball mainly, but dealing with athletes every day of the week and yeah it's fantastic Murph got a new role recently as well Brilliant. I did get a new role we haven't really announced that yet so you did, the day, on the did socials, I? yeah okay I did too yeah uh yeah so recently <laughs> got a, working we with um national <laughs> <laughs> on your show congratulations um now so I've recently started <laughs> I started working with um the South Australian national basketballers so the ones that are not, uh, nationally identified athletes uh, so I started working with those guys and girls um, here in SA, which has been pretty cool. Very cool. So when did you start mm. that? I started last week, so I'm in my second week now. Um, yeah. So just getting things organized. I haven't really had a coach before, a uh, strength coach before. So sort of laying down the groundwork and getting them to know me and what I do and the structure I'm going to put in place. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a challenge already because they've just never had anything like it. So they're all very what's going on what is all this uh but no it's a good challenge for me and i'm enjoying it so far brilliant josh over to you i was thinking my elevator pitch yeah <laughs> probably yours mine was um i was really smart in school and i went to university early and i did engineering and i didn't like engineering and so i got out of engineering and decided i want to do something i like which was sport <laughs> there's my pitch i'm here <laughs> <laughs> So, so basically, I, I, um, I deferred engineering in 2007, 2006, and I'm still on defer. I haven't been back yet. I'm not going to go back. It's a long defer. It's a long defer. I think I cancelled my, uh, my, my subscription to the, the university then. Um, but no, basically, so Your good out of that. I got into. plastered on the wall. Like, don't let this <laughs> yeah. guy back in. Find this guy with a hex that <laughs> <laughs> Um. So no, so mom was like, I, uh, I left engineering at the third that, and then I got into personal training and decided you, I could fit that in with engineering if I wanted to go back to the university. Um, did that, got into a gym. Luckily, um, I, I was very fortunate to get into the gym in the city that had a very strong education um, focus at that time. And then from that, I had a, and still have a thirst for knowledge. I wanted to know as much as I could and, and be the best I could be in that role. And so that then took me through oh, the next five years, I guess, of, of just learning um, and applying principles for, from, you know, educational sources, I would say, um, and, and studying whatnot that allowed me to start to see things a bit differently with the body. Um, and then got to a point where I was like, cool, well, everything that I've learned in the last, you know, couple of years, I want to apply more of a high performance world you know and, and can this be applied in to a sports setting or to a you know rehab setting what what can that be and then basically just kept going from that and people would start to refer clientele to me um 
until I got a referral from a um, one of my one of my friends was a physio and he was looking after the team at the time and said, you know, got this player from from this league coming back from Melbourne. Um, would you want to work with her? And I said, yeah, cool. And that then led to another player, and then that basically just steamrolled from there. Um, following the, the sort of sport path and and whatnot. And once I got into that, I started to realize that there's a, a big gaping hole in high performance for females at that point. And that's when I started to really focus on S and C. Um, still doing private sector, like private clients, um, but then starting to focus on like team sports and development there and what, what principles can we apply and, and how can we help push that you know, to the level that where it should be. When did you start working with, with the team? Teams would have been, I finished 2007. Um, my first gym was 2011, so maybe 2012 or 12, yeah. 2013, around there. Um, and then started doing teams from from then you know um like division teams women's teams i started to do mpl teams um probably around 2014 i think so mpl being you know the top league for for women here before you get into w league yeah uh, for soccer and then from that it just kind of steamrolled uh or snowballed into the football um field sports Yeah, yeah so it would have been around then 2014 2015 awesome so collectively a lot of experience between the two of you it's a bit, yeah. Just a bit. It's, it's a bit. It's a, it's a bit. Think we're what thirty-one years between us. Yeah, thirty-one years 30, 30, 30, between 31 us. Cool. So I have well, I've worked with a lot of runners and triathletes in the past, and then it sort of um, went into a lot of different athletes coming to see me. Do you guys believe that there's basic strength foundations that every athlete should have? What does that look like? Yes. yes. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, I'd say probably the to keep it most, but like to the very bottom level would be strength. Like that's like every athlete needs to be strong. Mm. Um, and obviously then it becomes very individualized of what needs to be strong in regards to the individual themselves as a human being and the sport they're playing and then the position they're playing in. If it's a team sport um, or the event they're um, competing in whether it's track or field and what kind of track and what kind of field so it's a yeah very convoluted answer but I think the most bottom level is they need to be strong um, because it builds a more robust athlete it supports mm. the joints it you know improves tendon ligament strength all that sort of stuff but um, and then from the like foundational strength then you start to individualize the program a lot more according to all the other variables additions <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was just, I'm just like looking at my microphone, like, all right, what am I going to say? <laughs> mine, mine, yeah, I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would definitely say robust was the word. I'm glad you use that um, because that's the word I would use. They need to be robust. And from a strength foundations perspective, I tend to look at, you know, basic human movement, you know, what do they need to be proficient in before we can start adding load, before we can start adding speed and power and change of direction, you know? Um, and then that's when obviously then you start to specialize. So for me, it's, it's, yeah. What is the general human movement? Um, what issues that I have or dysfunctions I currently have that we need to work with and then sort of take it from there. So in regards to foundations, I don't have set numbers. I don't have set ideas on you should be hitting this before you come to see me, or you should be hitting this before you get on the field, or you should be getting these numbers or these speeds or not. It's we work with where you're at, you know? And so how does that, how does your sport and how does your training fit into your lifestyle? 
and what you know are you doing all day every day in order to then or in order for us to understand how to build a program around getting you prepared for what that sport may be or, or what the lifestyle may be like can you move properly yeah. yeah are you able to to perform the movements to be the best at your sport yeah yeah well, what about those who are just going out for runs because they love getting out like obviously they're not getting out there to you know perform at a certain level but they they could very well get injured so mm -hmm. what would you say to them who are just out there trying to get healthy do something they love get out in nature but actually are not quite sure where to even begin in terms of building strength as in if they're doing it by themselves or if they're yeah yeah like recreational recreational yeah because they're not immune to injuries essentially they are athletes yeah. like they might not be the elite level the professional level yeah. but they're an athlete in their own sense of the word absolutely um so they still need to be doing the same sort of stuff like that doesn't change they still need to be able to move properly according to the activities they want to do they still need to be strong they still need to be robust like that doesn't change um, and not even just for that like single recreation of running like your example you gave them there's obviously lots more but even just for for future you know for uh, longevity of just um, physical health you still need all those things. You still need to be able to move properly. You still need to be able to be strong um, joints and ligaments and tendons and muscles and everything put together. So it doesn't really change whether you're professional getting paid or just the average Joe out on the weekend going for a little jog. From a specific point of view, if you're, the way I see it, if you're out um, and just going for a run, right, you're active, you have an active lifestyle now, if it's an active lifestyle, you can do things. You can go to say your basic gym classes. You can go to your yoga classes. You can go to things that are a lot more general, um, but are going to provide some strength and some overlay, you know, um, that you wouldn't necessarily get from, um, from running, you know, your body needs to have that ability to move. And, and that's what we're saying. It doesn't, you don't necessarily need to go and see a strength coach or a PT or a physio, you know, if you're out recreational, you know, you can be recreational, you know, stay active, you know, um, and, and understand, you know, if you've got pain, then you've got to go get, get a scene to, but it's just from a general perspective, you can do general things. You know, I love the yoga. Right? I love yoga. Mm. My mom, my mom and dad go to gym classes because they're active, you know, and they just, I'm not saying to them, Oh, you need to go pay a PT or a physio to help you out. I'm like, just enjoy what you're doing, you know, enjoy what you're doing. Um, get a bit of overload in regards to, you know, lifting weights or moving, you know, more than you would and, and enjoy your runs. And my parents are those runners. They get out yeah. and do the active stuff. So like, you know, do that, have fun, enjoy yourself and, uh, and, and train accordingly to where you want to be basically. Yeah. Brilliant. So is there a holistic approach to building strong foundations? <laughs> You're both nodding your heads like crazy. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we are not one cell. We, we are billions and trillions of cells that make up so many joints that all relate to each other in every single possible way. We need to train that way. Uh, there's, there's nothing that we do in our practice, in our um, business that is, you know, one dimensional. Everything, we, we cover all approaches to uh, human health and human performance where, okay, you're coming in as a, a basketballer or a football player or a mum, whatever it might be. Let's have a look at 
the body as a whole. Let's have a look at your nutrition. Let's have a look at your your mental health. Let's have a look at you know everything all put together as as a human being. Like one thing we say is, uh, don't train the athlete, train the human, and that goes across everything. Don't train you know the person in front of you as what they do. Train them as who they are. That wasn't too bad. I made it. I up. like that one. No, I made that up right then. No, I like that one. <laughs> he's dropped his mic and he's walked off. Yeah, I just, I'm out. I'm done. That's it. Enough's I'm gone. stuff it up. Enough's gone. It's uh, a hockey show now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that we absolutely do uh, the holistic approach to everything. And that's and that's as as Murph was alluding to. You know, you not just one cell, um, but also understanding. Okay, what what is healthy for one cell? What does a cell need? You know, and that's the nutrition, that's your hydration, that's your sleep and recovery, that's your balance of your hormonal systems, that's your, you know, your mental health and how, how that affects everything. Um, exercise is like the last little bit. And if all you're focusing on is exercise, you're not going to get where you want to go. Yeah, that's so important. When you say it, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> but as athletes, like, how do you educate them? Like, obviously, you can hear something and you can go, well, of course. But then you say, as you said, they're humans. So they've got either study or full-time work and family stuff going on and whatever it is. How do you educate them to uh, incorporate or adopt a holistic approach to their training? Uh, One thing one of my old coaches taught me was, influence don't inform so if you want to create change in someone else there's no point just standing in front of them telling them do this do this do this you need to influence them in a way that they uh, find a meaning in it for themselves where they look and they go you know what this actually there is a benefit behind this i can see um the benefit behind doing all these things they start to bring it into their own lives rather than me forcing them to do it it's their choice Instead of, instead of speaking at them, you speak with them. To them, with them. <laughs> to yeah, them. yeah. Direct. Um, my, my, depending on the level as well, you know, so depending on, on what someone wants. And I had this discussion last night with one of my trainers about what you discuss with people and what you, how you educate and um, work with, you know. So if someone like, say people like my parents, they just want to go for a run, they want to be healthy, but they want to go enjoy their foods and go out for dinner and whatever they want to do. All right. So I'm going to have a chat to them about when initially when we start to work together or initially when they come in and, and have a chat about, okay, well, to what extent do you want to make this approach, you know, part of your lifestyle, you know? And if it is a, you know, I want to take that further. I want to, to work with me on nutrition. I want you to work with me on my recovery and sleep processes. Cool. We can go into that. You know, and for me, it starts that process and starts with that discussion. And then it's a matter of sort of understanding, you know, like I've said, influence don't inform. I think you still got to inform and then you work with, you know, you find out whether how do you go with these changes and, and let's try doing this for a while. And let's try doing that for a while and um, work out whether, you know, from, from an elite perspective, you, it's a lot easier to tell elite athletes what to do because they just do it. You know, it's yeah. a lot easier. Um, it's more that that middle band where you've got, say, semi-pro, um, where they still want to go out with their mates and and have drinks or have the shit food or whatever. I said, that's cool. You know, go out, right? And then come and see me afterwards. 
have some good food and come and train and then have some shit food and come and train and see how you feel. You know, you're going to feel different, you know, and understand that compounded, that's going to have an effect on how you perform on game day or that's going to affect on how you perform in your run, you know. Um, and it's when you start getting those comments back that, oh, you know, went out, didn't do my best today, but I had a shit night last night, didn't sleep well or had some food and just sat heavy. You know, you start going, all right, we're starting to influence what you're doing now. Yeah. You know, I'm in your brain all the time. <laughs> that's yeah. what you want to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> like you make the decisions but i'm always gonna be there yeah the inner voice yeah yeah that's brilliant i love that influence don't inform but then again you like you said that inform is also partly educating as well so mm-hmm. a mixture of both is always good oh you, you definitely have to educate um yeah. and like Murph does a lot of informing you know, so it's not, either or, it's not either or. It's like, well, I'm I just going to only influence people. Yeah, yeah. Murph just stands and they just, <laughs> osmosis yeah. just get what he needs. Um, so you got to inform, but you also got to um, work with. And I think that's the thing that you do. You can't just talk at people if you're not understanding where they're at and, and what they're wanting. So what, I might clarify when I say, <laughs> when I say influence, <laughs> I think everyone's like, what does he, does he teach anything? <laughs> There's definitely some information given. <laughs> but when I say inform, I don't want to just stand there with a, a lecture board and like do this, 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 and this. That, no, not quite. <laughs> oh, I have to apologize. I didn't mean for it to come across like that either. What does this coach do? <laughs> This rubs people's back saying, yeah. <laughs> how have we been doing this now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk mindset for a second there. Like how much are you then um, influencing their mindset based on those principles? Do you, do you kind of have those conversations? Like how do you, um, you know, help guide them to adopting a better mindset, whether it's self-talk, whether it's about, you know, holistic approaches. I guess, I guess that's where the uh, information does come into it. Mm-hmm. They, they need to be educated mm. to understand the difference between, you know, right or wrong, A and B, whatever it might be. Uh, so then they can make their own decision themselves at the end of the yeah. day. And I mean, as uh, Josh said before, with athletes, especially like the top level professional guys, girls, you can easily say do this because that's their job to do it most of the time yeah um with the semi-professional with the recreational it's a little bit different way it's they still have a massive choice in what they're doing or not doing and that's where you to inform them and say like because there's many times i have people come to me whether they're clients or not friends and family um you know i don't know what to do because there's just so much information out there it becomes very confusing very convoluted with you know, where do I actually go? Uh, and to give them, like, I guess, the most precise information or the most simple information, say, like our nutrition is, our nutrition guidelines are, you know, essentially eat what, wor- eat what works best for you as an individual. And the only person that can figure that out is you. And we try and inform, I guess, that point on how to eat according to you as an individual and, um, get them to figure it out that way rather than saying, look, follow this exact diet. Mm. It's, you know what, let's figure this out together and see what, how, what happens, see how it works. And working out in order to, to educate and to influence. I think another big thing is understanding 
where they have their blockages, who you're working with and yeah. what their boundaries and what their barriers are. Um, and that comes through conversation and that, that can be, that's a progressive thing, you know, um, that's a, that's a progressive way to, to think about, like, you don't just, the way, the way it works best for me with, when I'm working with clientele is that over a period of time, I start to understand, okay, how they think about this. Are they eating through stress or are they eating when they're angry? Are they eating when they're bored? Um, what are they eating? Why do they make these choices? Um, how do they see that fitting into their, into their holistic view of themselves? Um, and then as you start to dig deep on that, then you can start to provide the information that you might have. So we have a whole bunch of information, you know, and, you know, say 31 years of information between us, but we're not going to use all that at one point in time with one person straight away. We're going to work out where they're at. What do they need to work on? What are the big rocks that we can um, make change through first? I like using the analogy of the, the glass jar. You're going to fill up the glass jar. You start with the big rocks, then put smaller rocks, then put the sand in, right? So what are the big rocks with this person at this point in time? You know, and how do we work with that? How do we get them to help make that change? You know, and, and working with where they're at, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of how i would say we work with it you know we don't just go here's our like nutritional guidelines you know we, we have our, nothing pre-planned nothing pre-planned you there's know there's no there's no system exactly that we follow it's we someone will come in and we've got separate businesses like this yeah, isn't yeah. my business our business this is yep. mine and what um, josh does we have the same philosophies yep. and ideas where again it's treating the human being yeah. they come in and we figure out we start talking through conversation and understanding to understand the person and this doesn't take one session mm -hmm. this could be getting to understand them over the next three four months and then the program evolves as we learn more about them and we figure out maybe what we're doing before isn't quite exactly what you might be needing let's do this instead now then now that i've found this new information because not everyone's going to divulge everything on day one mm -hmm. you can ask the best questions in the world doesn't mean they're going to give you the best answers mm -hmm. um once they start to learn more about you trust you a little bit trust. more feel more yeah. comfortable uh yeah the trust is a huge word um once they start feeling those things then they're going to give you more information and you can get better programming done for them based on that information yeah that's and that, that's 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 the key with education that i find what i find looking at the I say the industry as a whole uh, at the moment is people trying to, a lot of coaches and a lot of PTs and, and, you know, allied health push out information, but is that actually resonating? Do you have salience with your clientele and do you have salience with your, the people you're trying to work with? You know, is it actually being taken on board or is it just, yeah, cool. You know, next, you know, I want to try this little, you know, what's the best, what's the best vegetable to eat? Uh, how about we understand why you're not eating that way? you know, before we can move on. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you then define, you know, putting all that in place? How do you then define success for your athletes? Mine is how the conversation changes, what they tell me about how they're feeling and, and how they're, um, what their results may be. So what their results may be, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, you know, um, for me that's that defines success you know we, we talk at the beginning about what is success for them mm. but at that point in time they might not know what success is for them you know they were, i want to play better all right cool well i yeah. can do that next week yeah you no, know? Preconceived, <laughs> um, 
but but what are you what are you telling me you know what messages are you, are you texting me oh you know if it's a rehab oh i played you know 30 minutes of training tonight this was i feel really good me strong you know went for a run feel good you know it's, it's more about that i think to me than um what a, a success measure is individual to the person um but for me it's about what they then tell me and, and how i see their mindset, their physiology, their understanding of what we're working with change. That's they're my measures of success. Um, there's the obvious, the metrics, and that's, mm. that's what people do look at the most. And I think yeah. the more um, up you go on the chain of like elite sport, then metrics become more important to the athlete, more important to especially the staff around the athletes, mm. coaches and whatnot. Um, but even them at the end of the day, um it is what you josh just said it's the feeling you know it's mm -hmm. it's the way they're talking about their performance you know they can walk off the court the field wherever it might be or um the average recreational lifter runner might walk off walk out from the gym or get back from the run and think oh that was okay it was shit i can be better here or they you know what I actually feel really good and the, my knee pain is gone or I'm feeling better about the run. You know, I'm feeling a bit happier about things and that's the measure of success for that person. So I think it, there's definitely a combination of the two metrics are important, but also again, the psyche of someone is going to be just as if not more, because that will lead to better metrics. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think yeah, generally you, we have to, we do have to differentiate between elite and sub elite. I think because, um, even actually, you know what, like even an elite version, I don't generally get people come to me and say, I need to say, run this time, right? I need to score this many goals, right? Because at that level, that those are metrics set by sports administration or coaching staff that may not have an understanding of the athlete. Um, for me, generally they come and say, I want to be faster, right? And we can do that. I want to be stronger. I want to feel this way when I'm on the pitch. And if I do that, then I put myself in the best position to be selected, you know, whether it's a team sport or um, make numbers, you know, so the metrics are definitely important. And if that's a guiding factor in what the coaching is and what the training is, you know, we need to hit nine seconds for 80 meter run. All right, cool. We're going to go from that, but we're going to make you feel good while you're doing it. You know? Um, so you got to, yeah, you individualize where that's at, but you know, like Merv said, the, the metrics are definitely a guiding factor. But I would say 80% of the time, 90% of the time, they're not the, the factor. Yeah. Okay. So you guys work with female athletes um, and going on from your podcast episode, which I really enjoyed, like I mentioned, what I guess, or how do trainers, whether they're PTs, sports trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, um, how should they educate themselves on how to train their female athletes? Because females are different to males. Female, females are different. Um, I think one thing that's been really starting to get blown out of the water a fair bit is the biomechanical difference of females. Like everyone was saying a while back, you know, uh, the female hips are wider, therefore the angle of the femur is different to the men. So you've got to do all this stuff different. And that means there's a bigger chance of injuries. And I think, oh, I know as of recent, that's been blown out of the water saying, well, no, that's bullshit. There's so is much it? more to it. 
Uh, there's a factor, but it's nowhere near it's, as um, big as what they're saying. They were saying it's it's trolls. It's what <laughs> trolls? Trolls. It's, it's trolls. Trolls. <laughs> true and false put together. Yeah, it's true and false like that. Tro- ah. <laughs> Okay. Someone doesn't follow Jackie that, on that Instagram. Was, that was not me. me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. I was trying. To, I didn't know what you were saying. <laughs> Inside. Yes, joke. it's troughs. <laughs> I'm glad I'm in this circle now. You are. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it is troughs. Um, there, there's definitely obviously a difference between men and women in regards to training them, but it's nowhere near as significant as what they were making it out to be the injury rate isn't as high as what they were making it out to be like in regards to acls there's a lot more it comes down to it other than the biomechanical issues like lack of quality training that that's probably one of the bigger ones is uh i know one of your questions that we read that you might reach later is um no after a certain age the female sport sort of cuts off uh, we were one of our podcasts. We were talking to Nikolai Morris, uh, a strength conditioning coach from New Zealand, and she was saying, you know, at something like the age of eight, or maybe a little bit later, mm-hmm. sort of female sport stops, and then they start again, you know, in late teens. And so all that period, they haven't trained or haven't trained with quality coaches that are really looking after them. Therefore, because of all that lack of training, now the injuries are starting to show up. Um, and but everyone's going oh it's because you're a female it's because of all the hormone differences it's because of q angles and that sort of stuff but it's not that all that stuff is there but it's not that significant it's not going to create that much difference in their uh training results and then to the to the point then then the reason i wanted you to answer that one first okay (laughs) i love you um (laughs) is how and where should coaches go to educate themselves about the female body? Um, I think the first step is understanding that there's a difference between males and females um, and asking themselves why, <laughs> why is that the case? And then, and then just starting to, starting to look into things, you know, the more, the more you do that, the more you can then work with females in front of you and, females around you you know i when i first started working with um like working with women it was interesting to me obviously i had a, had a background in, in training right so we're starting with the training but then talking to them about things you know i just remember a situation where i say situation it was um i was out at a meeting with a club and one of my current athletes been with me since that time um, it was the first time I'd met her and she was an international athlete and she was sitting in a, in a, um, in a chair and there was myself and there was coaching staff and administration and they were talking about training, blah, 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 blah. And I said, like, what do you want from training? Very simple, you know, and you can actually start to understand, okay, cool. Well, this is what I would want from training. This is what I, I need. I just training. have to say like, what a powerful question, like actually being asked that question from you know, someone like yourself, you, you're giving them back the power. And I, yeah. not that I can speak from experience because I'm not an elite athlete. I, I, I like to train, but like, you know, even hearing you say that, I mean, I felt the power of that and you're not even asking me, like that's, that's a powerful question. 
continue. Mm. <laughs> in in the interview with Nikolai, uh, towards the very end, I I was confused in my head on uh, how we can help females in sport as athletes or coaches. Um, I'm sitting there like, how can a white male strength coach help females more? So I thought, who better to ask than a female strength coach? Uh, so I said to him, like, how, what, what should I be doing? What do you want me to be doing to help females more again, as athletes, as coaches? And she said, first of all, what you just did. And that's exactly what Josh said before is ask questions, you know, stop assuming, you know, everything, stop assuming, uh, that you know, basically what, what people tend to do is not everyone, some will tend to look through their own eyes at everything. Mm. So their own, um, perception of the world. And that's what they go into everything with. Whereas if you take yourself out of that, and this is what we spoke about in our last podcast, was mm -hmm. put yourself in someone else's, else's shoes, you know, start to understand their point of view. And that's where asking that question is, what do you want from training? Or, you know, how can I help you? Gives, as you, as you say, gives them back the power and they can start informing you on how you can help them. And then your job is to then adapt what you know to doing that. Yeah. And if you recognize and you're able to look internally and understand that you don't actually know how to help you know if you tell me something yeah. you know jackie says i want to do this and i'm like well i don't know how to do that at the moment that then guides your next set of information seeking you know where you go and seek that information from where you source that from and whatnot where you get it from is arbitrary it's how you apply it that matters and that needs to be guided by those you're working with, whether you are elite or not elite. You know, you don't, you know, I don't necessarily talk to elite athletes as like, that's my main, you know, conversation. That's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people, right? And whether your whether your training is going to be tailored to an um, elite competition or whether your training is tailored to having a run on the weekend, you know, I'm talking to you as a person and I want to know what you want, Right. Um, and so that needs to be where strength coaches, PTs, trainers, whatever, start to seek the information, open up the conversation and, and, you know, stop trying to talk at people and let, you know, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason, use it in that order. Love that. Nicely said. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of this then. So what are the differences in putting together a strength program for females? versus males and I mean we can talk obviously biomechanically um, but also like nutritionally what are we what are we looking at and what are the other things that we need to take into consideration and I'm talking about hormones and the menstrual cycle in case that's not too obvious it's <laughs> like what what other things are there <laughs> kidding. I'm there kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll let you go because no. I'll, I'll go. go, you build. Yeah, okay, done. <laughs> uh, I get, I see we why were you established. guys work so well together. Yeah, so that's how we... we... We sit down a lot and, and look at each other and we chat with each other. So yeah. I think we know, we know what our vibe is yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, we already established that we start with the questions. So we sit down with... Uh, we're talking specifically females now, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So we sit down with uh, whoever they may be and just start to converse. We start to chat, get to know them, make sure that we can build uh, trust as soon as possible. Um, so that, and that comes down to just sitting down having a conversation more than, uh, I don't think that 
uh, a female really like a male as well is going to really give a shit how much I know. But they don't care that I've done degrees and education for the last however many years. They don't care. They don't care how much I've spent. They don't give a shit. All they care is how can you help me? How can you deliver what I'm asking for? Um, And can I trust you in doing so? So when you sit down with them, you have to start building that immediately. Start building a trust, start having a conversation, getting them, let allow them to get to know you more um, and then start to work with them um, in putting something together on uh, developing a program. And that's understanding their, their whole life, understanding their whole schedule. You know, what do you do in a week? Um, and then through that conversation, you can start to pick up on little subtle cues like their body language, like the way they speak, um, to start to understand them more as just as more as a human being as well, um, to again start to influence influence them in that way. That's the the very basic. And then from from that, you then want to start to go into an assessment. You know, if we're talking nuts and bolts now. <clears throat> Um, that that establishes the foundation of where you might begin your assessment, um, where you might begin your testing, uh, whatever that may be. Um, and that's obviously uh, activity specific. Yeah, yeah. So I, we're, I'll go activity specific and, and like nuts and bolts on how we actually build, like how I actually build that program. Um, you know, so initially, and I know Murph does the same thing. You know, we want to see how you move. You know, so have a conversation with you. Cool. We get an idea of what your lifestyle may be like. We get an idea of what your thoughts and process may be like, whatever. And then we go into, okay, well, how do you move? You know, where are you unstable? Are you stable? Um, How do you stand when you squat? What's your comfortable stance? You know, how do you lunge? How do you run? Um, Twisting, rotation, all this kind of stuff. So we want to build a picture of you in movement. All right. And then... Once we kind of gain uh, and gauge what that is, we can then start to go, all right, cool. Now we can start to look at um, relative strength and relative abilities. You know, if we're, if we're doing field sport stuff or, or court sport work, we might want to test your deceleration. We might want to test your change of direction, um, your agility. And we, we can kind of, we get our numbers from that, you know, and from the numbers, we then can start to tailor what we're doing in the sessions. Um, you know, most of my female-specific sessions are only slightly tweaked, different to my male ones, you know, um, because of the biomechanics, you know, um, and because of how they may move and what they present with. So, you know, things like balance uh, is generally a little bit different, uh, females to males. Uh, center of gravity is different, depending on their body proportions as well. And then um, different things like, the, my, my honestly, my main difference is like, foot position in a squat or a deadlift that's pretty much it um you know obviously females are generally um heavier set lower um and don't have as much relative strength upper body but they still have strength you know and so um they're the, they're the main things I, I would look at um and obviously depending upon their body proportions but you you get a range of proportions male or female so you know you, you so kind of go same same there's not a huge amount of difference between training men and women like biomechanically you, you, you go yeah you go through the same processes like it's always it's the same nut and bolt essentially of you know you sit down you have a conversation you go through the assessment you're looking for the same things 
uh, you just might see some things more in a female than you would in a male. And but then the next process is the same. Hormonally, it changes. That's where things are going to change yeah. a little bit more. Uh, it, emotionally, hormonally, that's going to change later on. Yeah. Um, but you know, the biomechanical, you're going to see some biomechanical difference, but that's going to be again, you're going to see this, you could see the same thing in a man. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's essentially used again, this is getting repetitive, but we're looking at the person in front of us, the human in front of us and assessing that whether you're a male or a female, there's not a huge amount of difference in the assessment process of things. And then in, in actual programming, I personally tend to program more lower body work um, for females, hamstrings, glutes, adductors, calves, quads um, from a programming sense. You know, depending on the person, this is a very general, general conversation. Yeah, yeah. Is there a um, reason behind that? Because we want to make sure that if body proportions are denser, lower, we want to make sure that they're safe, you know, and with um, a lot of body mass, say belly button down, we want to make sure that that's, that's strong and stable for the hormonal changes that you will be going through over the course of 28 to 34 days and then over the course of six months and over the course of a year you know, and onwards. So we want to make sure that we are able to work the, um, the bigger muscles, bigger, bigger muscle groups to ensure that bone density goes up as well. You know, if you've got lower mass up top, then we're not being able to get the same overload that we could from lower, you know, whereas guys, you can tend to go 50, 50 upper lower, you can go higher, um, more weights up, up high, which is going to, you know, allow that bone density to increase and, and, and up there Whereas like with women, not as much. So I would tend to stick um, more in the program, but that doesn't mean it's only exclusive to that. You know, it depends on that person, what they're coming with. Um, but that's how I would tend to tend to program. And I also found that generally women enjoy the lower body more than guys do straight up. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Without not, a doubt. not always, but yeah, most, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> like if I, if I had my, my members of clients together and I was like, who wants to do some legs today? It would most be like 70% of the girls would be like, yeah, let's do legs today. You know, But that also could be because I just do legs with them. So whatever. <laughs> that's what they used to. That's what they, that's what they used to. No, I, think, I think from there, then it goes into the hormonal stuff. Oh, then it yeah. goes into all those other like female specific things a little bit more so mm -hmm. where, and that's not something you're going to program either. Uh, that's something you're going to respond to at the time. So they might we'll prepare for prepare for, yep. sorry, they prepare for. So, you know, if they are having their, um, the menstrual cycle in that, in that week, then you're going to go, okay, we're not going to lift. We're not going to do it so, so many explosive movements. Yeah. We're not going to do as we're not going to try for PBs this week, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, because of that joint laxity so much, yeah. you know, we're not going to bring in too many new exercises. Is that throwing at me? Yep, throwing you. I, I saw your head turn. I was like, oh, it's my turn. Your turn. Hormonal <laughs> <laughs> um, stuff was a fun one. I, I um, have learned a lot more in the last 18 months to two years um, around training for that than I have in the previous seven, you know. Um, and it's gone to the point now where I'll actually get texts from, um, from my clientele saying, day one, day 15, day 30, um, which a couple of weeks ago I got one, which was a day 30. And I'm like, cool, you're coming fatigued as shit. So we're not going to do yeah. much tonight. You know, we're not going to yeah. overload. Um, you know, so understanding a, like generally where, where the girls are at in their cycles, um, if they have um, their cycles, you know, some people don't um, or what their, what their cycle is. 
generally get an idea of, okay, what you may be preparing for, what you may be, um, how your training may change in that time. You know, so if I know someone is, you know, starting their cycle in, in our, say, training week, you know, we're not going to be doing heavy legs. We're not going to be doing a lot of lower um, lower ab work. We're not going to be doing a lot of ab work in general. You know, we might be doing, a, we might change more isometric work. We might change more anti-rotation, you know, because we don't want to um, affect too much the muscles around the, the sex organs. You know, we don't want to restrict what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, because in that time period, you do get inflammation, you know, and you do get, um, you know, this, you, you, sorry, you need to allow room for inflammation to occur so your body can process properly you know so if you are doing a lot of, a lot of lower body work or you are doing a lot of lower ab work you know and you get this tension and you start to try and work work that there's things happening internally that you can't control as a trainer you can't control as a person and so if you're doing stuff externally meaning you know obviously working the muscles outside of that and they're also having inflammatory response internally or hormonal cycle changes internally you know you start to get this um, restrictions and you start to get tension and extra stress you can actually cause more pain um and don't forget nerve innovation nerve to innovations spine. yeah everything you know and and you, you can actually really affect someone um in that period so from a from a hormonal perspective generally generally what i found is that the week um after menstruation so the first one to six days you know it could be one to nine days depending on the person but generally one to five um the week after that, you can start pushing your weights and your power and your, um, you know, change of direction and your intensity of the sessions and the volume. You start to push that up um, as you start to then feed into the the second week as you to, as you get towards the ovulation um, component part of the cycle. You then start to back that off a little bit, and then generally by week three, um, so the week before menstruation, you um, want to sort of back that right off. That's when you're starting to get things like irritability lack of sleep um hot cold flushes temperature changes um and that then affects after a period of days that affects training you know that affects what we can do you know so that's what Murph was saying you know we're not going to be going for pbs that week or the week after you know we're not going to be trying to push you but you generally have a two to two and a half week cycle where you can start to overload a little bit more then you back it off then you you go again you know, you're essentially wave loading a, a hormonal cycle, you know, over that month. Yeah. Over, over the month, over that 20, what 20, usually 26 to 34 day period. And again, that's very much dependent on the individual. Correct. Like yeah. Some women are going to be different to others. Um, even the, the mental state of things as well. You know, mm-hmm. Some women are, um, can cope with it a lot differently to others. So you, again, it's understanding your client, understand who you're working with and then match the program accordingly. And nutritionally, I know you mentioned nutritionally. Nutritionally, I don't go into that with them. I, I talk about general nutrition, um, things that are going to be good for you in that in that time. Uh, I say not in that time, but like as a whole, uh, holistically. And as they start to hormonally start to change, you know, um, if they are finding they're getting cravings for things, or they are finding that you know salt's a big one that that you know girls tend to go through, like I want to have more salt or chocolate or magnesium or whatever that may be, you know maybe that's something you can go get seen to with a doctor or naturopath or or something where we can actually get a bit more into that. Generally it's a more protein, more carb, you know, over that time period, you know, it helps satisfy your cravings. And obviously you're going through a, a period in time where your energy is going to be low, you know, so try not to counterbalance that with high sugar, you know, trying to come out with your high processed fats, 
understand why your energy is low, understand why you're not sleeping well, that it's internal, it's not external. And so then in that time period, make sure you are really focusing on good nutrition, make sure you are focusing on your quality meats or your quality proteins, your quality fats, your quality carbohydrates and, and hydration especially, and allow that to occur. You know, try not to, I think a big one is uh, try not to stress out that you're stressed out or try not to stress out that you're not sleeping well, which is a big one, you know. Um, so understand in that time period, you may need a little bit more sustenance, but what that may be, I'm not going to guide you on, you know, there are other people who are it's far more to qualified. Out. Yeah. They're far more yeah. qualified in that than what I can provide you. How do you have that conversation? Like which one, when, <laughs> when you maybe a new female athlete, you're like, Hey, you know, we can do all this after you've had, you know, you've asked those questions and then, and then how do you approach the fact that, you know, your menstrual cycle um, is going to affect how you feel, how you train, how you're going to recover. Like, how do you have that conversation as well? Do you approach that or do you, sorry. That's the awkward one here. No, I was just saying, I, <laughs> like not typically I am, but I, I've never actually had the problem bringing this conversation up. Mm. I think it's. That's good. I mean, that's, I think we're both, both of us, I can speak for Josh here as well, is we're both very confident with what we do and what we know. Um, so I'm very like, I'll bring another topic up in a sec, but <laughs> we're very happy to just say, you know, tell me about your menstrual cycle. Tell me about how you deal with it. What, it's how a bit different it? to that, but go on. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Specifically to what we're going to be doing. We're here. happy having the conversation. Yeah. Are you happy having the yes. conversation? Yes. You, you get a bit of a feel for it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, but it's like we talk about poo. Yeah. We talk to our clients about their poo. I was wondering if you're going to bring poo into yeah, this. Yeah, definitely going to bring poo into this. <laughs> OJ, what's what's your shit like? Your head, tell us about what what happens in the bottom of the toilet. Um, and I'm very I'm I've never been or I don't know if I should really do this because in my head I'm doing the best thing for them. Yeah. And if they can if we can build that trust initially, like I spoke about in that very first session, we can build a trust well enough. We can have all these conversations without any pushback, without any mm. awkwardness. There might be a bit of a giggle here and there, which is expected, um, but. I know, as I said, I'm, I'm very confident to have it knowing yeah. that it's the best possible intention that yeah. I'm doing this for your benefit. Yeah, we're, we're able to have it. Approaching the conversation isn't something that I would do with everyone um, because of, you know, if someone comes if someone comes to see us and they don't know who we are or what our backgrounds are, whatever, it's a little bit different to if someone comes in and says, I know who you are, I know what you do. I trust what you do intrinsically from the beginning. You know, they come in like that, which is most of our work anyway. Um, we can have a conversation from the beginning. Under, understand it's going to happen. You know, um, if it's someone that comes in not knowing or oh, I've been referred to by so-and-so, but I don't know what you do or whatever. It's a conversation you have at the beginning, as, as Mip was saying, you know, about these are things that are going to affect you. Nutrition, training, sleep, stress. But as part of that, you also got a hormonal cycle, which we don't know about right now because you're a new client to us. And as we move forwards, this may be something we wish to discuss because you need to understand from a training perspective, there are things that are going to occur that will affect your sleep, that will affect your nutrition, that we have to consider when we're training. Now, if you're not comfortable telling us or you're not comfortable um, like opening up to us on that, that's okay. Just understand that as you start to train, things may happen and you might be like, well, I'm feeling a bit tight. You know, I'm feeling a bit irritable. I'm feeling a bit like this. 
And then we can adapt that. You know, if you tell me how you're feeling when you rock up or that week, week of, you know, not, not having the best week. Awesome. We'll drop the training load. You know, you don't have to tell us why, but for us, we can work better and we can apply our knowledge better if we do understand, you know? And so it's that conversation, building that trust, building that rapport and, and, you know, educating um, clientele why it's going to be the best for them if they want to, you know, I don't need to know you're on day 15 and about to kill someone. I don't need to do that, but I get told that, you know, but we can work with that where you are. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Good answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> like Murph and I just sit and chat about this shit. You know, we talk about poop and periods just by ourselves, just me and him. That's practice. good. You're practice. Well, these are really important conversations that need to be had. Um, and, and, you know, not just between yourselves. But <laughs> <laughs> everyone. So keep sharing. Um, and I think it's, it's one of those things, like as a woman, like I only recently have learned, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I've learned how much of an impact my menstrual cycle has on my mental state, emotional state, my physical state. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys have heard of the, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of apps out there now, um, but one that I love is the Fitter Woman app. And you you plug in, you know, when you your cycle comes and, and it tells you each phase that you're in and what's happening through the cycle and what's happening with your body. And, you know, when is the best time to lift heavy loads and when is the best time to back off and when's the best time to eat, you know, those anti-inflammatory foods and whatnot. So it's really, I think you guys are doing a good thing with, you know, having these conversations. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. The um, um, apps. Apps, apps, I can't stress enough how beneficial they are. Mm. You know, um, I've got more pregnancy and period apps on my phone than I do social media apps. <laughs> put, it, put it that way. <laughs> I, I need, this is how I need to understand, you know, and yeah. you said before about how can, how can coaches start to educate themselves? Get, get, the, um, get the apps your clients are working with, you know, and you can understand, you know, plug in imaginary period start date. This is your start date. How are you feeling? You know, look yeah. in it, look at it, you know. Um, I think there that's most beneficial as well. You know, um and and then feeling comfortable having those conversations. Yeah. There's no poo app though, Murph. We need a poo app. We should do a poo app. We're gonna do a poo app. Murph and my ties poo app. Murph and my ties poo app. <laughs> you heard it here yeah, first, guys. Yep. You heard it here. You'll right, take so a photo good. of it and I'll <laughs> oh, upload it. And then get it rated. Done. All right, moving on, on from poo. Okay. Yeah, we're going to move on from poo. <laughs> uh, what do you believe your role is in giving your female athletes confidence in their ability? Because I feel like they would be very different to you know males in the way they train um would it be safe to say that females and their confidence self-talk even isn't maybe as uh positive as guys uh, you can probably answer this a lot better than i can uh, but I'm going to give it a go to start with. You, you go first and I'll build on it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think there's definitely, there is definitely a difference with self-talk between uh, males and females. 
Uh, and therefore that makes a difference in what, how we talk to males and females. I know with my boys teams and my male clients, I can easily just say, stop being a dickhead and lift the weight. If I try to do that to a female, I know I'm going to get slapped Stay and I'm probably going to lose a client. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think you've got to be very careful with word selection, uh, yeah. tonalities, uh, body language, all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, oh, body I can, language. If, We're going to touch on that in a second, but keep going. Sorry. Beautiful. Cool. That's I like that topic. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Obviously, it's going to become very natural to us as men to talk to other men uh, in a way that's going to communicate very easily, very well. Um, with females, we have to change a little bit uh, because we're not females. We have to adapt, and that's where the education for us comes becomes quite important. Learning how to speak to females. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to handball over to you straight away. <laughs> I think, I'm going to tell a story. I will tell a story now, uh, but I've told before on our episodes. But I'll, I'll bring it on to yours. Is when I first started coach because I was a little bit late to coaching female sport in comparison to Josh. Is this the yeah, okay. North Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, so I took on a um, MBL one, which is, so you've got the MBL, which is a top level basketball in Australia. Uh, I took on an MBL one female team, uh, North Adelaide Rockets here. And these girls come in we started training and um, it was going really well, going really well. And I said to Josh, can you just hang back and watch what I'm doing? So this is a sort of way for me to grow as a, a coach for females going to someone who does it regularly and say, look, can you just watch what I'm doing? Give me some feedback on what you think I could be doing better. And afterwards, I the session had finished. The girls still enjoyed what I did. Um, they all finished. And I walked up to Josh. He just had this big smirk on his face. And I went, oh, shit, I'm going to get, I'm going to get ringed right now. <laughs> and I said, no, what did you think? He said, look, you did well. Your language was pretty good. You know, the way you spoke to him was really positive and uh, in a way that made them feel comfortable, except you just stood over the top of them too much. And that's just something I'm so used to with men. Like you can do it and they don't really care. Uh, and when I thought about like, you know, what I actually did where that might be doing something in a very, in a very um, vulnerable <laughs> position, like a barbell hip thrust on the ground. And I'm standing over the top of them saying, again, my language is good. Like, you know, mm. make sure you're doing this, correct this. You're going to feel this better but I'm looking down onto a girl doing thrusts in the air. It's probably quite confronting. I mean, I'm not exactly a small person. I'm probably got a big stature. That's going to be a bit scary. Like I don't like eyeballing Murph when I'm hip thrusting. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and I didn't pick up on the time, but I can understand why that would be yeah. the case. So the very next session, I'm pretty sure you watched the next session again. Of course again. I did, like a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> it was up. on the other side of the room. Yeah, uh, the very next session I would great. change. <laughs> I made sure I didn't stand up anymore. I just kneeled everywhere, walked on my knees everywhere. <laughs> I just made sure I'd gone to the, their level. So I nailed, when I spoke to them, I nailed down. When they were sitting, You're I would tall. sit. Your What's that? You're tall. You got to the yes. level. <laughs> yeah. So I just made sure no matter where their eyes were, I tried to match that as much as I possibly could stand Brilliant. to the side of them, not being so intimidating. You did well. I thought I did well. I thought I did a bad job anyway. <laughs> you did well. And I'm still developing. I'm still evolving as a yeah. female, uh, male coach to females. Um, yeah, that, that's never going to stop. Like, like even if you didn't ask me for my feedback, you would have got it. I'm sure I would have. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's my story. That's my, that's how I would train women differently to men. You can build. You know. <laughs> 
Um, in regards to in regards to self talk, guys are more I and girls are more we, right? So when you're coaching guys, it's a lot easier to to talk to them about what they're doing, as in like do this, do that. I can do this. I can do that. I think you should do that, right? It it comes very intrinsically driven, whereas girls tend to be concerned what's happening around them, and so the the body position thing. And in the way you're coaching and the conversations that you have it, I find that you want to try and acknowledge what's, what's happening in the environment and then, but also bring it back to what they're doing, you know? So one of the big things that, that I've set up in the, in the environment in the gym is, you know, we have limited mirrors, you know, um, we have a big open space where people work in their own spaces. We are working together, you know, everybody, um, I make sure everybody's introduced to everybody else. doesn't matter who they are, most clients, my clients, other trainers' clients, right? Because what that does, not just from a, people think it's a, you know, friendly thing. Yeah, cool, it is. But you also feel more comfortable training if you know the people you're around as well. You know, one of the biggest conversations that I've had before I opened my gyms was females not feeling confident when they're lifting, right? Or when they're training in gyms because they're always getting looked at by guys and always getting judged and whatever, whatever they're feeling, right? And so that's, uh, I'm concerned with what's happening around me. Whereas as guys, we can walk into a gym. We don't really think about that. We think about ourselves and what we're doing. So from a coaching perspective, it's like, all right, cool. Well, if you know everyone in the gym, number one, they're not going to be watching you, you know, and you know, they're not watching you, you know, they're doing their thing, you know? Um, and so creating that environment externally to what's happening within the session itself is imperative um is imperative and, and that's part of the body language body language and positioning of coaching and positioning where you're putting someone um in what positions you're putting them in and how you talk to them is a big part of that um and that's stuff that you think about so that's not stuff you think about specifically but that's stuff you have to think about generally uh and that's what i look at when i'm setting up that environment you know and i'm setting up the environment for for training you know, um, in regards to self-talk, as as Murph said before, you know, positivity and inclusivity and empathy um, with females for sure. And understanding where they may be at that point in time, whether it's that day or that week or what's happening for them, because generally, you know, they take on a lot of other stuff that's happening around them. Um, and they're a lot less able to compartmentalize. You know, you can generally, like if I said, if Murph's having a shit day, he talks about your your Mickey Mouse hat, right? And Murph comes into training and he's had a shit day. I might not necessarily know. You know, guys aren't as expressive with their emotions and are able to compartmentalize a bit more. So we can get to training and he'll leave and do what he needs to do. But in that session, he's doing fine. Whereas um, females that you tend to train, whether it's in a team setting or it's one-on-one or small groups, they'll bring that in, you know? And so creating that environment for, you know, they're comfortable either expressing and, and talking about what's happened. And then I modified a session in my head, what we're doing, you know, uh, adjusting from what they're saying um, is, is massive, you know, and, you know, not necessarily providing positivity and like, yeah, cool. Like good stuff. Like that's just demeaning in my head. It's more about going, all right, how are you feeling? You feel shit. Awesome. Let's do my stuff. You know, what do you like to train? What do you want to do? We can adapt the session. You know, I don't write sessions and this is what we have to do. You know, if you come in a little bit different, feeling a little bit different or feeling a bit more upset, well, let's look at something else or you're coming in feeling fantastic. 
I don't know how many times I've <laughs> I know what you got written, written up on the board. All right, because I know who's coming next. So I start writing up a program. Mm -hmm. and they walk in, I look at them, rub the program out, <laughs> start a new program. <laughs> yeah. Just because they walk in, I, I know what a, a happy, vibrant person yeah. looks like. And I know when they're like, oh, it's not a good day. Yeah. We're not yeah. doing squats today. We're going to do something different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's, that's massive. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, you have to be able to do that and understand that, you know, you can't keep the same program um, that you've, that you might've written on when someone comes in feeling a certain way, yeah. you can't put a square head peg in a round hole. Right. Um, and so understanding that, and then obviously how you communicate and, and how you converse and what you say and why you say it, you know, I tend to, and this is language in general, but you know, I tend to go a lot more, I say, um, yeah, positively driven rather than negatively driven um, motivations. You know, um, you can say to to guys, right? Oh, so and so's out there doing better than you. Be better, right? And say negative feedback loop to the guy will be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, I'll go do some other stuff. I'll be allowed to swear in the show. I just did. <laughs> we we have been doing a fair bit. Yeah. I saw that before. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to do um, bleep, bleep it out if you need to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dead. No, I, better, I can be better than that guy, right? Whereas with with um with females, if you say that, generally they're gonna be like, oh yeah, well she's doing better than me. You know, good for her, right? Just, you're not gonna get the same result, you know. So you gotta understand. Not how a driver. You yeah, it's not a driver. It's not a driver. I think the other big thing is um from our experience so far, females like to be informed a lot more. Yeah. Why they're doing something, whereas mm -hmm. a, a guy you can just go go do that and they'll be like, yep, cool, no worries. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I go do that. Bench press, wicked. <laughs> well, um, whereas you go to a female, go to that, they'll be like, okay, so why am I doing this? What's what's the benefit of me doing this? Where yeah. how's it going to help me on the field or the court or whatever? So that's what I would do, and sometimes I do it maybe a little bit too much, which I've been told, <laughs> is say go do this for all these reasons, um, and it, for me, it's again putting the power back into them. They're like, you know, yeah. okay, that makes sense now. I know why I'm doing this. I can put more effort in because I can see the benefit. Or I can understand the benefit of why I need to do this. Um, I think that's another big difference between males and females. How to coach them as well. I also thought something just then that I that I do is when I'm when I'm um, doing that and I'm educating or informing as to why we're doing stuff. I always talk about we're going to do this. We're hmm. going to do this, right? Rather than you're going to do this. When I talk to my guys, I'm like, okay, you're going to do this now. Right. Well, just, talking, just go do this now. Or just go do this now. <laughs> Depending on the syllables I want to use, but I say, you know, you say okay, yeah, yeah, you're gonna do this. Whereas like if I'm talking to and this is something I literally just picked up just then, um, from what you're saying about you know, we're gonna go and do some dead deadlifts, we're gonna go do some hip thrusts, you know, we are gonna do that. Let's right? go over here. Let's go over here, yep. you know, together, rather than you're gonna go do that because that's not the way it kind of works. But that's the subconscious thing I literally just thought about then. Yeah, yeah. Right. I did <laughs> well done you. <laughs> I did I don't know if you had more to talk about body language, but um I'll tell you my a story. Um cool. I so I like I love training and I like try, trying new um you know modalities and I like trying new studios and fitness chains and whatever. And I was in, I won't mention the chain, but I was in a gym. Do it, do it. Do no. It. <laughs> <laughs> but it was here we're in doing sydney. our show <laughs> it was here in sydney and i was in the stretching area i'd finished my workout 
and I saw a PT, male PT training a woman. Now, of course, I've got no idea of their relationship and how long he's been training her. So I don't know if, you know, they're good mates or whatnot. But she was doing a plank with <laughs> with a weight or, or whatever it was, a Superman or whatever it was. His position, he was next to her lying on his side, hand on his, resting on his uh, head, hand, resting on his hand. <laughs> I'm just like, what are you doing? I mean, number one, as someone who's training someone else within a fitness center, like that is not great promotion for yourself if you're looking to get other clients, especially females. But second, how is how can you do that and and go, yeah, I look like a professional? (laughs) (laughs) The mind boggles. So that's my story about body language and how it's really important to be aware of where you're at and what you're doing when training females. I feel like we could talk for hours on body language. This is I've seen that. So I don't train at our gym. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll train somewhere else because I like to separate the two. And same sort of thing. I work out in a commercial-based gym and the quality of trainers that, and again, I don't know the relationships and maybe it's like what you were saying. The relationship is arbitrary. That's true. Because you just, because people are watching you like, like myself, I'm watching them. I've got an assumption of who they are. I've been training my wife of 10 years in a gym and you ain't going to know she's my wife for 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're still a professional. You're professional and you're in public and you know what I mean? No, No. I've seen them rock up late look like a scruff, mm-hmm. um, being on their phones, oh, all this sort of stuff during yeah. session. I'm like, how can you, how can they pay you money to do that? Yeah. Uh, I don't understand it. And it's, it's horrible. I, I get, just nuts. <laughs> you get nuts. It's just not difficult. It's not difficult to pay it's attention. It's not difficult. You don't have a hard job. No, it's really <laughs> it's not, not hard that job. hard. You just, you Let's be honest. Pay attention to who you're talking yeah. to. Give them your undivided attention for 45 minutes. It's not a long time. Stretch it to an hour sometimes. I mean, yeah. all right, yeah. right. Wow. So it's yeah. about respect. Give them your undivided attention respectfully. Yeah. And if it's not that, at least do it for the money. Like yeah. at least do it for your career. Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah. people are watching you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's something going on there that's not right and or leave the industry i don't know yeah. leave it because it's, it's not for you obviously yeah what was it? i just remember you asked the question of what our roles are in uh in the strength coaching side of things before and what do we yeah. see our roles are i think we well i can talk for myself but i'm also going to talk for you because we've got the same logo on right now. Um, <laughs> i think i think we like to see our roles as leaders or um, I want I want to say leaders. I don't think leaders is the right word. I think differentiators is the mm. word. Prophets of change. Prophets yeah. of change. Oh well, I was going to say game <laughs> changers. Look, you know, what? <laughs> are you are you vegetarian? I am. You are. It's okay. 
we'll leave that. <laughs> Probably some change. Oh, in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> this just took a turn. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to be out the Game Changers uh, documentary, <laughs> but we'll, we'll leave that. I think... I've got nothing against vegetarians, I promise you. That's not a... It's not, it's not the vegetarians. Um, I think it's, it's differentiators, positive differentiators. We want to ensure that, you know, what we're doing is pushing um, the boundaries of what is necessary. You know, um, there are certain uh, systems and there are certain philosophies and ideas out there currently that we don't like and we think are holding back the growth of the individual, the growth of the community and the growth of the um, industry as a whole. And we want to be able to differentiate ourselves from that and then through our differentiation, encourage others to do the same. That is the most brilliant segue into my next question. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you believe needs to change in the industry to help female athletes get the encouragement (laughs) and support and funding to achieve the same level of success as male sports or at least the same opportunities? Uh. Again, I'll, I'll start. You build. As I said before, when I spoke to to Nikolai, it's the very first thing of asking questions. Mm-hmm. Is if you don't understand, like I didn't, and I'm still working on my understanding, you start talking to people who do understand, and they're typically going to be females. Mm-hmm. So us talking to you, fantastic. This is a, another step in the right direction for us. Um, us talking, to, us talking to Nikolai was a huge. Um, mind blow eye opener for me to be able to talk to someone of her standard of her um, what's the word I'm looking for caliber caliber um, you're welcome you know who's obviously one of the elites in our industry mm-hmm. and understand you know, what she does and how she, what she experienced and what she goes through mm-hmm. uh, one of my lecturers in my degree at the moment is um, shout out <laughs> uh, Dr Sophia Nymphius from Edith Cowan like I listen to her lectures and they're just unbelievably fascinating and she again is one of the elites in our industry and so me that's how I'm doing it myself is getting in front of these high level female coaches um, and just learning about what they do what they go through what what their understandings are and everything and then listening to them on what they think should be changing I've got no idea on how to change this because this is coming from my point of view again as a, a white male um there's different cultures in the industry there's different sexes in the industry the best thing to do is listen to them hear from them and um get educated from them on what to do because they know what to do more than what we would mm-hmm. it's just yeah i'd yep yeah, that's that'd be my biggest thing is listen to other people yeah my mine is is awareness you know um <clears throat> think about 25 years ago right you what you see is what you want to become, right? If I see, you know, Steph Curry shooting threes all the time, I want to be like Steph Curry or Michael Jordan, right? Or LeBron James, right? Well, who are the young females going to look up to? They didn't see anyone, right? And so there was no one for them to emulate. It was all male stuff, right? So it has to be awareness. It has to be out there. And it's starting. It's done the last five years. It's starting. Um, you know, was there female soccer back then? Absolutely. Was there female basketball back then? Absolutely. Were there female sports? Absolutely. There was no awareness. No one 
invested the time no one invested the energy no one invested the money because there was this idea that you're never going to make money from that you're never going to get returns from that but everything has to start somewhere and what was extremely um insightful to me is that when the aflw came out you know the year before they released um i'd heard a lot about it and i knew that their investment was a five-year plan you know they took out their uh, i think it was 20 mil um or, or i think it was 20 mil over five years to promote the game right and now you know you go into pubs in sydney melbourne adelaide and you see female afl games on tv you know and if i'm there with my niece or i'm there with my female friends and their kids and whatnot and they see that they can they have people they can emulate now and the afl understood that because in their second year they started reporting their their players the female players on bus shelters they started putting the female players in adverts they started promoting them through instagram you know they understood that if they choose one to two players in each team then those players can become marquee players from a social media perspective, from a from a awareness perspective. You know, you've got Aaron Phillips at the Crows, you've got Taylor Harris in Melbourne, you know, you've got these players that are out there getting the promotion that they um, need to get and that they should get to continue to build the game, right? And so then now we're starting to see WNBA, you know, more of that come onto the streaming platforms. Starting to see well, more. What's also helped with the WNBA is the NBA players are supporting it. Yeah. So the the NBA, the male players are all wearing WNBA tops. Yeah. So it's also that it's not just you know coming from an organization or the females yeah. themselves, but it's the counterpart, the male counterpart. You know, why don't we start promoting by wearing their gear, their clothing, yeah. we their are, brandings? Yeah, and we are in positions of privilege as males in sport right? And as males in the world, society as it is, right? And so in order to help, we have to become allies. And to become an ally, you want to show that awareness and you want to promote what we're doing. You know, when I first started doing my stuff, mine was always about, okay, cool. You, the clientele might not have the money to pay PT prices, right? But I was like, you know what? Don't worry about paying PT prices. Pay whatever you can. And then we can use the rest of social media right and i was putting that stuff out there here's what we're doing with this client here's what we're doing with this client female clients out there you know and didn't have a social media presence but then they had a couple hundred people but people start to see that and they go oh shit you know so and so's training she's in my team so and so's training she's in the other team seeing some benefit you know and that's on a very small scale you know then you obviously take it up to the elite teams and the elite organizations and um you know those in positions of power or those in positions of authority or in positions of influence that have that opportunity to do that and that do that and you start to create that awareness that the younger generations can aspire to and then you allow them you step out and you allow them to then push what they want to do then you know as Murph said you ask the questions what do you want you know what do you want and how can we make it happen yeah brilliant you mentioned the younger generation and getting back um you know Murph you mentioned it in the beginning um, that young girls, as soon as they hit puberty, they stop playing sport um, because of their period. So what sort of education would you guys as strength and conditioning coaches, would you like to see um, in schools and in general that can help to prevent that from happening? 
so that you can then get, you know, female athletes that are stronger when they get to, you know, the level that they're coming in to see you. In a, you told me that in schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, there's so much need to change at schools. It's not funny anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole system needs a restructure. Um, <laughs> let's not get me started on schools. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, and I think everything that like, is still stuck in that old way, that old way of, um, uh, I don't know how to word this one. You go, I'll see if I can build on yours this time. <laughs> Whether it's in schools or even like educating, you know, mates um, who have young girls and, you know, who are playing sport, like. I can, I can do the school one. I can do, I can chat. You do, go chat. We've got a couple <laughs> of hours, chat. I can chat. chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with my microphone position now, so I can chat. <laughs> um, in, in schools, you got to understand that you got to understand why girls drop out at that age. And it's not because of the period. It's because of the lack of um, availability for those programs. And it's also, you need to understand the psychology at that time. You know, girls become more aware of their bodies. So they become more aware of their bodies. And it's this idea of, you know, body shaming, or is this idea of being a woman or being feminine or whatever that may be, right? Um, and so from an educational perspective, for me, it's it's two factors, like you've got to able to be able to have the programs that those girls can continue on with. And you also have to have the education around um, how they can develop through those programs, you know, and understand the changes that they that they will be going through mentally and psychosocially and not just physiologically because you know I don't know about the the education currently uh, in the school system I know a bit about it because friends who are teachers but you know sex ed was purely sex ed right this is this is sex this is how it is this is what the purpose is this is why we do it right well no it's not you know what you're teaching as sex ed is basically physiology you know, and biology. You're not teaching sex as a function of the human being and you're not teaching um, body awareness and you're not teaching um, social awareness and you're not teaching understanding, you know, um, emotional states and fluctuations and, you know, what it means to be a person, let alone a, a female or a male, you know, and that those programs and those um subjects you know need that overhaul to develop you know confident young people and then once you've got that understanding you then have the programs available that if they want to continue playing soccer or they want to continue playing football or they want to continue playing basketball you know through that time period they are supported in that decision and you have coaches sport coaches and strength coaches or um, PE teachers or whoever um, who are understanding and equipped with the knowledge and equipped with the um, emotional intelligence to be able to guide those young people through that that period in their lives, whether a specialist skill set, you can't just have your regular 50 year old PE teacher who's stuck in his ways from 1984. <laughs> doing shit you gotta have emotional awareness 
Um, Again, we can't swear on here, right? We just leave it out. I'm like laid back, fired up at the moment. <laughs> I'm just like chill, fired up. Um, but that's how I see that needing to be changed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nothing, you want to on that? I, mean, I don't I'm I'm probably I don't know have much to say about the school side of things I don't really I'm not involved in it enough to have a, real, a great comment to be honest with you um yeah. I mean I do I train one of my sessions I do in the week is um a group of gymnastic state gymnastic girls so these are 10 year old girls that come and see me they're state level gymnasts and that's uh, it's not that hard to support them it's the you do a bit of research you educate yourself you uh, get yourself out of your comfort zone talking to these little athletes yeah. <laughs> um and it, it's not it's just caring enough to do something for them it's yeah. just thinking again outside the box outside of the old ways and caring enough to you know say these are still athletes they're still people that want to be successful in their chosen activity their chosen sport and in giving enough of a shit to do something about it. Yeah. And whether the schools that are in, a, in need to have that same mindset, that could be the answer to it. Oh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really the person to ask for that. Uh, but that, that's what I've done personally is mm. open myself and my business and my model up to anyone who wants to be successful in whatever they choose to do, mm. uh, whether I know how to do that immediately or not. It's the fact that I'm willing to at least get out of my comfort zone and learn how to do that for them. Uh, I think that's, that's my step in the right direction towards helping um, whoever I can. And the, the school system, you gotta, if you understand the system, the curriculum is determined by federal government and state, you know, legislators. So you got to understand what the curriculum involves, you know, teachers, no matter how good their intent is, they are limited to what they can mm. Um, God, how they can teach something is, is up to them, but they are limited within the parameters of what they're doing because we're, we're developing children to sit exams and assessments that aren't necessarily yeah. um, emotionally based and psychologically based. You know, yeah, you get that right. within the classroom setting. But Yeah. Well, I will ask, I feel like you've kind of answered this, but I'll ask it just in case you have anything else to add to it. How do you keep educating yourselves and evolving to bring your male and female athletes the best programs? This is this is a hundred percent Murph start this one because it's his thing. Um, so I've pretty much <laughs> from the moment I almost failed year 12, <laughs> I wasn't a good student back at school. Uh, pretty much from the moment that happened, I started focusing on actual study, like, um, study towards exactly what I wanted to do, uh, geared focused study. So I did my cert three and four at TAFE back in 2005, um, finished all that off, went to my diploma of fitness didn't quite finish that off but anyway um then i thought you know what like pretty much what josh was alluding to earlier was we found a gym which was fitness first back in the day here they're not in SA anymore that provided a great education at the time where there was um i'm not sure if you've heard of him uh, paul check yep so we had his right hand man down uh he's in sydney uh, donald carr 
he would come to Adelaide regularly and give us the most amazing workshops <laughs> that would blow your mind because he could talk about squats for 12 hours straight without breathing. <laughs> um, so it was all that. We kept educating ourselves there. And then we'd sort of evolve into the next phase of our careers. And I went into obviously my the sports side of things. So I thought, you know, how do I get to the next level again? So at the age of was it 32, I started my degree in exercise science. I'm thinking, you know, this is good, but it's not quite enough still. It's a bit too general. So I'm currently doing my master's in exercise science, strength conditioning. So I'm, you know, 36 years old. I'm still studying. Um, I'm very lucky and honored to be in this um, master's degree now, as I said before, working with or learning off of um, Sophia, Dr. Sophia Nymphius, because the way she talks about in general strength conditioning and exercise science, but she has a, a huge focus on um, training females and coaching females and the female aspect of everything. She likes to put a bit of that into every lecture she does. And that has just opened my mind up to a whole new world of thought process. Mm. Uh, the way I'm thinking about things in, in the industry, which is fantastic. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't stop. Even in my uni break now, I've got a book that I'm reading on how to educate myself further on different areas in, in the, in the industry. So it's, we don't stop. Like I don't, even if we're not reading something or learning something directly from a, a formal education, we're talking to each other and learning from each other. And the man I've, I've learned just by being in the same gym as Josh for the last, what, three years or so, mm -hmm. uh, what, what do we have a thousand and two hundred days or something now? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been huge as well. So just by days, <laughs> just by working with peers who who you trust and uh, respect is another big thing as well. And who push themselves? You know, that's my yeah. view, right? If if I was in a gym, I'll get to my my answer after. But if I was in a gym or if I was in a setting that I was around people who didn't do shit and didn't really care to push themselves or, or want to learn or have the um, understanding that they don't know enough. Right, then talk about the shit on the gym floor. What shit on the gym floor? Yeah, hang on. Which one was that one? The Donald Carr one. <laughs> <laughs> little, little story for you. Is that the one when he would like walk along the gym? Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we do for us, each other now. Basically, when Donald would come down, uh, <laughs> his first days. So, Donald's our current mentor now as well. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. who we go to for our yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah. When 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 Donald when Donald would come down uh, from Sydney to to do his lectures and his uh, workshops and whatnot, you know he'd be down for like three days, and he would just randomly like he'd have his day, but on like a Friday he's doing his his lecture series or whatever. But he'd be in like Thursday night and then maybe Saturday morning, and he'd just wander through the gym. And if he saw you doing something across the gym floor, he would eyeball you. Right, and you would look up and you'd see him looking at you, and you would just shit your pants <laughs> because you Donald's gonna come and say some shit <laughs> right? and tell you off for things you weren't doing right, you know. And so you were constantly on alert that making sure that what you were doing was the best you could be doing, you know. And so what I, what I was gonna say then is that you know, if you're in a if you're in a setting where you've got someone next to you. Um, you know, which is Murph and, and which is myself for him that constantly wants to learn and constantly wants to push the, our discussions are tailored towards that, you know, and um, it's this constant, it's this growth mindset that we have rather than being like, okay, I've done my masters. I know my shit. I'm not going to do any more. You know, 
it's this, you know, what, what books are you reading? What'd you learn this from? Or where'd that come from? You know, where'd you learn that move? What, what's that tailored to, you know? Um, it's those, um, I say spontaneous conversations that might, that might crop up. Um, Murph's very much, you know, obviously in his formal education, um, mine is more, I'll see things and I try and identify gaps in my knowledge in the areas that I'm working. So female athletes, team sports, uh, one-on-one psychology, um, whatever that may be, I try and identify, okay, why don't I know this? Or where can I find the answers to these questions? And then I'll try and source that out, you know, and then obviously where you find that information is, is up to you, but obviously you've got to understand how to verify what you're learning and, and how to understand what you're learning, how to apply what you're learning. So for me, it's yeah a daily process of, okay, where do I see gaps? You know, and I tend to think about my learning in like a wave loading, you know, I'll go through periods of high intake where I take in a lot of information and then I go through periods of high output where I apply the information and then I keep on, I keep what works and I discard what doesn't work. And then I go again, high intake on another, another area then high output. Um, and that's how I've, I kind of think about things for the last 13 years, you know, and whether that's a, you know, monthly, whether that's a, you know, quarterly or yearly, whatever that may be, you know, however I decide to do that, it's not a conscious thing. Like I'm going to intake for three weeks and then Apple for three weeks. It's like, all right, I feel I'm at a point where I can now apply this information. Let's go apply it and let's learn and go again and then, and then have those conversations. I think that's the biggest thing a lot of coaches and maybe just people in general in professional industries don't do is the application side of it. They'll go do all their study and they go learn yeah. some new things and they'll sort of just let it sit in their brain and eventually sort of falls out the other ear that it went into. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas I know, I know myself for, as Josh said, mine's probably more formal based at the moment. Mm. I will learn something in a lecture and then that afternoon go apply it. Mm. Uh, so just so I can keep it and see if it works, see if it works for me, see if it works for the clients I'm working with. Um, and then as you said as well, I will mm. disregard it if it's not working for me at that point or try it with someone else if it didn't work yeah. for that person. Yeah. So the application of knowledge is a massive part of mm -hmm. the the growth factor of our industry absolutely it has to be yeah mm. i mean same for this industry my industry with massage mm -hmm. and and you hit the nail on the head with the the application side of things because there's been many times where i've done courses and then walked away and just not applied it straight away that those you know practical skills never developed for me Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been a very conscious decision now that every time that I'm doing, you know, the new course, whatever it is, yeah, it is about applying. And that's said for anything, right? Like anytime you learn something, you, you've mm -hmm. got to apply the learnings. Otherwise, what's the point really? That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, I'll fade back into blackness. Yeah. Or fall out of the year. Or fall out of the other year. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, oh, guys. It's been so much fun chatting with you. Um, Thank if, you very much. If there is anyone who wants to, you know, follow, find you, how can they go and do that? So, tag for myself is Adam underscore Murphy underscore Coaching, or just look up Adam Murphy, and I'm going to pop up in there somewhere. You can just look out for my big head. It's the Instagram <laughs> tag for them. Yep, um, <laughs> the Instagram tag for us is well you can you can find the murph and marta show on spotify uh or youtube and itunes uh instagram is murph and marta show you better yeah i see a little cartoons there but we don't 
have a lot of stuff on that at the moment. No, we're still developing that. Best, best, best to find us together on the Murphy Martha Show, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, mine on Instagram and uh, and Twitter is just at Martha's Official. So M I T I S E Official. No underscores. No underscores. <laughs> no, I did we'll that a long time ago. Stuff. <laughs> we'll make that. Thank easy. you. Um, but also, you didn't mention, which I, I, I will. You've got a YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, so if you really want to look at us, <laughs> if, you really wanna, if you really want to watch us talk <laughs> and we'll look at all our hand movements, and, <laughs> then feel free. <laughs> yeah, it's just Murph and Marta show on YouTube as well. So that's the collective. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Last question What is Ooh. your Ooh. mission individually and as a partnership? In life, my mission is to not survive but leave a legacy. Not survive but leave a legacy. <laughs> That's right. I'm not. I'm not. I want to be here forever. I want to. I want to die, but I want to make sure that the time that I am here, I've done some shit. Cool. Uh, I want to go into the ground well used. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one there. You can take that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever your mind goes, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I feel like you didn't take much time to think about that. <laughs> I, there's, a, there's a quote I like, um, and I just, I've adapted that to myself, but uh, I'll give you the quote. Give me some, some context. <laughs> some context. Uh, the quote goes along the lines of, you're not meant to go into the ground perfect. Like you're meant to be battered and beaten up and use your body for all it's meant to be used for. So I want to go into the ground well used. That's brilliant. was our well, we spoke about it before, didn't we? With uh, the profits of change. The profits, wow. I didn't even know that's a thing, but now I'm gonna go with that. Okay. It, it sounds cool. Yeah, I think I think we nailed it before with that without without partnership. We want to be uh <laughs> seen to be doing shit that needs to be done. Yeah. Basically. Awesome. I'm not going in use with Murph. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going out, I'm going out and leaving legacy. <laughs> awesome. Whether I remember for that or not, it doesn't matter. I love this. I love it. <laughs> nice way to end the show <laughs> thank you so much guys our pleasure thank you it's absolutely our pleasure this has been enjoyable oh they crack me up there are so many important elements from this conversation if you're a guy who trains women or you train with women i think it's such an important thing that at least having this awareness of these things mentioned like language and communication and empathy and body language because in the end none of these things are hard to do in fact being aware of all of these things no matter who you are talking to or training with are really just decent and considerate human qualities that we should be adopting it's not hard to do to be a good human so that's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please share it with your friends. Share this episode on your Instagram and tag us. I would love to know that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome day, week, month and year. And here's to a world of bodies built better. Bye.